And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Athletic MBA Show. Monday through on the Athletic Podcast Network. We have a problem. Welcome to the Athletic MBA Show. Anybody going to Vegas? Ready, set, Vegas. You're either in or you're out. What's the thing about gambling? 11 days of basketball in the desert oasis. oasis. Bastard cashed a bad check downstairs and gave you his reference. What happened here? Only happens here. Only happens I remember here. thinking, Jesus. Who wants to be my father? This is the Daily Ding on the Athletic NBA Show. I'm Jared Weiss. I'm joined by two studs today. We've got Will Guillory, Pelicans writer for the Athletic, and Mike Scotto, national writer for Hoopside, host of the Hoopside podcast. Nice enough to talk to me in his fancy New York Armani Exchange t-shirt here in the bowels of the Thomas and Mack Arena. Let's start quickly with the big game of the first day of Vegas Summer League, which is Paula Bancaro versus Jabari Smith Jr. I'm just going to say Jabari Smith. Do we really have to say Jr. the entire time? Yeah, I'm fine with it. All right, so, Will, what did you think of each of these guys besides the fact that they couldn't stop fouling? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the number one thing from this game. Was There was a ton of fouls. I think, like, four people had seven fouls. But just looking at them on the floor, you could see – Paolo is just built so much differently than Jabari. Jabari looks like a kid out there, and Paolo looks like a grown man. And he, like, had some grown man moves. He knew how to get to his spots on the court. And, you know, Jabari still has a lot of growing to do. He's got a lot of potential, but you can see that he's still got some stuff to figure out. It feels like Paolo is stepping in and knowing exactly who he wants to be from day one. Yeah, I mean, credit to Paolo. Like, when he was moving in transition, operating out of the post, he knew where he was looking to pass the ball. Yeah. Like, this dude, he does have a good passing feel. I think that's why teams want to take him number one because – or why teams – Orlando want to take him number one, but I feel like a lot of people thought he was number one, was that he, like, he has the feel of a creator, even though it looks like, like Scott, he's probably going to need some work to be able to pull it off in the NBA. I mean, well, listen, first of all, the bar isn't exactly high for Italians, number one overall with <laughs> Andrea Bariani. I mean, you know, Paolo, this is a guy that – when I would talk to, like, executives around the league, they would say that, he reminded them a little bit of Julius Randle during his all-star campaign. And that was a really good all-around player. I think, you know, you could hear the cheers, obviously, in, in Vegas, but you can hear the cheers in, in Little Italy, too, all the way for Paolo Bancaro. There's, <laughs> you, know, I, you know, I just want to put it out there. You know, it's not just soccer, folks. You know, I know you don't hear it all the time. Shoot the three, Nunzio, give it to Carmine. But we are coming back. We got three Italians in this draft. And, you know, led by Paolo, we are coming back for greatness, folks. And, and you heard it here first. It's not just soccer. It is not just the World Cup. It is not uh, cement driveways or pizza either. We are here to play basketball and to dominate. Come on, man. Throw your calzones up. Let's go. <laughs> I like Scott's accent keep like, got even stronger as it, he's going through that model. It just, like, but I'll say, in all seriousness, when you look at Paolo's game, I mean, Will touched on it, but the physique of this kid, this isn't a kid that's eating, you know, chicken palm and veal all the time. Like he's got a well balanced <laughs> diet. He is he 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 looks like a grown man. He looked like that in Duke. But I think what surprises people is when you look at him, he's a legit six ten. Yeah. 
big, and, yeah, big. He's and, got size. And his ability to face up. We, I will say this. Some of, the, some of the plays I did see today, he would go at the top of the key, face up, and take a guy off the dribble. How many 6'10 guys do you see do that that can get to the rim and create for others too? He, he's shown ability to keep his head up enough to make passes. He did it at Duke, um, and he had a lot of stars around him. Here in Orlando – He's going to have to make guys better around him that aren't necessarily shooters. You know, you look at like a Markel Fultz, you know, Jalen Suggs, we, really the jury's out. You don't know what it is there. Last year was hurt a little bit. and You're not going to know fully what it is there. I think for him, he's got all the ingredients to be a really good player. I think defensively you want to see, uh, can he become a 10-rebound guy? Can he become a better shot blocker? That's going to be the biggest question. That's what I liked about Bancaro in this game is I feel like between Bancaro and Smith, the question is like for Bancaro, can he play make in space where where he operates? Because he doesn't really fully operate behind the three point line yet. And then with Smith, it's like can he handle well enough to get into the paint, actually create, actually create his own shot, actually play make for others? It seemed like Bancaro's game is much more likely to translate early on than Smith is. Because Smith looked like he was having trouble getting past anybody. Like at least like he could get past guys with his speed, but like right. if a guy was staying in front of him, he was having trouble figuring out a counter. Yeah, there were a few times where you saw that the handle was a little shaky. He wasn't sure where he was going, how to get there. I think just that the, the, the physique, like we talked about with Ben Carroll, gave him trouble a couple of times. He went into Ben Carroll's chest, really didn't move him at all. So I think with Jabari, I think this is a tough environment to judge him because he's more of a spot-up guy. I think he's going to be a much better fit on a team with like real professional guards, guys who can create space for him, get him some open shots. Like Jalen Green and Devin Porter Jr. Yeah, exactly. The, the top <laughs> top of the top we're talking about. The great playmakers of the NBA. Yeah. yeah. So I think he's going to be much better off playing around other guys who can get 20 points and just make life easier for him. He's not like – the reason why Orlando likes Paulo is he's a guy you can give the ball top of the key. He's going to make stuff happen. I don't think Jabari is going to be that guy, but that's not necessarily a knock on Jabari. I just think they're just different type of players. So, and his style doesn't fit some of so them as much. So you're saying he reminds you a little bit of Rashard Lewis tonight, a little bit more. I was going to go a little bit more Danilo Gallinari. You know, we got to keep the Italian vibes going. <laughs> you know what, though? Gallo, go look up some of the plays from the Rooster. He'd have some dunks reverse that you wouldn't know. I think my thing is this with Jabari. What he, what he brings to the game – his on-ball defense, rebounding, ability to pass. Um, I think he's a really good, well-rounded player. But to your point, is he the guy that you're going to put the ball in his hands and say, go make a play? You know, like I remember Mike Woodson used to say that to Joe Johnson all the time, just go make a play. And he'd be like, well, shit, I go do that. <laughs> so that was it. And I, no, we used to joke about that with Joe in, in the Brooklyn locker room. You know, he's, but when it comes to Jabari, I just think that for him – his playmaking, that's what's going to determine his ceiling in the NBA. Off the dribble, can he improve his handle, especially the size, like 6'10". Like, Powell keeps the ball low, and he's got the power. If you yes. do try to go for the ball, he can ward you off. Jabari, you know, just might take an extra, like, year or two, but – He's, he's, got, he's, got, muscle on he's got plenty of tools, but I think he's a better shot. I think Jabari's a really good shot blocker, a good help defender. Um, you know, like to your point, you guys are talking about the playmaking of Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green. I mean, those guys are going to be hunting shots. Can they find him when he's on the wing open for three? That's that's when Jabari was at his best at Auburn, yep. really spreading the floor at his size. Um, if they can extract that and, and make that into a focal point in the offense, then they're going to they're going to have something there. But I mean, listen, let's just not beat around the bush for a second either. Like the Houston Rockets were in love from afar with 
Paolo Bancaro, and they didn't get him. This isn't a knock on Jabari Smith. I'm, I, you know, they were fine with any of them. Don't get me wrong, even if Chet Holmgren was there. But Paolo was their guy for a reason. Um, and I, I think it's going to be interesting to see now how these two, you know, go forward. You saw like a little bit during the game, Jabari would kind of like playfully tap Paolo or whatever when they were at the free throw line talking. It'll be a fun kind of rivalry to look at going ahead. They're always going to be tied together being in this draft class that high. I love how when I ask out of the tape the pot, he's like, oh, I barely got a chance to watch the game. Like, here got the detail he's got. <laughs> he, yeah, Scott is pretty, he, he's a good journalist. He didn't watch much, but he clearly he picked up on the importance. And I, 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 as someone who watched, like, I, I got there for the whole second half. I feel like you're picking up on most of what I was seeing out there, too, especially with just, like, Smith, the, the impact wasn't quite there for what I was hoping to see. Like, he talks so much about being a defensive engine, and I just felt like his defense didn't quite have that kind of intensity to it that we were expecting. All right, well, that's enough Summer League talk. I can't believe we just did almost eight minutes talking about Summer League because the quality of basketball is such ass. But <laughs> there's, there should never be a shot clock on Paolo Bancaro discussion and Italians in general. This year, it was fun. <laughs> All right, let's, let's, get, let's get to the big stuff. So, Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. First off, the Kevin Durant sweepstakes. It slows down over the holiday weekend, which, thank God damn, because I wanted to actually enjoy myself a little bit. So we enjoyed ourselves a little bit. We're at Summer League. We know these things are going to heat up. Will, you cover the Pelicans. The Pelicans seem to be one of the teams that clearly is positioned to go for him, especially after Zion signed his deal and pretended like, what are you guys talking about? I wanted to go to the Knicks. What are you guys? You're so silly. These narratives. Silly narratives. What are you guys talking about? Come on, man. Listen, we haven't seen a guy. When is the last time we saw a guy sign an extension and then want out? (laughs) Durant. I'm just saying. (laughs) You know, Ben Simmons. I mean, we've seen plenty of people. Like, And and I know, listen, David Griffin made a good point the other day, and I'm, you know, you totally are going to run point on this one. You you were there asking the questions. But, like, when David Griffin was talking about, you know, he didn't want a 50-year player option or whatever, it's like, well, Okay, but a guy could always try to – in this league, the way it is now, you can just say you want out and it creates like a dark cloud over a team. So I don't think any team, no matter big market, small market, if you got a guy under contract, I just don't think it means anything like that anymore. The I think years don't mean anything anymore. I no. think that's what we've learned the past couple of years. Like you can have a guy four years, five years left on a deal. It doesn't matter. You know, if a guy wants out, he's going to make it public and it is what you got to deal with it at that point. I think – Brooklyn's in a position now where they can say, hey, you're under contract. We're not going to trade you, and we'll see how that goes. We saw how that went with Philly. I don't know if Durant's going to handle it the same way Ben Simmons did, but I think I think now the, the ball's in the player's court where they can say, hey, if I want out, I'm going to say it, and it, it doesn't matter. You know, they're, they're the guys in control. They're the face of the franchise, so it is what it is. You know, you, really, you bring up a good point about the oh, face God. of the franchise. The, when you look at, like, Durant and Kyrie, right, for the Nets, the biggest thing the whole time was 
culture, culture, culture. Well, when you bring in elite stars, they dictate the culture. This isn't the same like six seed Nets, with, which I was, you know, alongside you guys at the Athletic for. That was a fun locker room and a great team of overachievers. But a little different scenario when you got a guy like D'Angelo Russell in a contract year that's on his best behavior to get paid eventually a max. You had great veteran locker room guys, you know, future coaching Jared Dudley. You had Ed Davis, who's the quietest leader in the league, that when he speaks, people listen. Damari Carroll, a respected veteran. This group was different. This group, uh, you know, Durant coming from the Warriors, you thought had at least an, uh, an outline and a blueprint of what it took to win. Kyrie wins one year with LeBron. Um, and and together, you're like, okay, a lot of people – and Jared, well, you, you notice a lot of people that year thought they were going to go to the Knicks. And then that flipped, and then you can make the Nets your team. And they've had that opportunity. They've had say in personnel decisions. They've had a say in uh, – obviously, like Steve – first of all, like Steve Nash coming there, Durant's guy. Some of the players that have been there as well. Um, and – what do you have to show for that? What You don't have playoff success. You have one playoff win. You get swept. The only team to get swept, at a certain point, it comes to a head. And, I, and I, you saw that with Sean Marks at the press conference at the end of the year when he said, you know, Mike, we've, we've got to get the culture back to what it was. And he said it just like that. I swear he did. And then now you've got clearly tension with your – with a guy that's at at worst a top 15 all-time player could be top 10 by the end of his career Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving's situation um as talented as he is hasn't been on the court hasn't been available a guy that leaves during the season um doesn't uh then the next season doesn't get a vaccine causes the part of the reasoning that James Harden wanted out in my estimation, the biggest reason, because the big three became the big two and a half. And even then, uh, you know, you would, how many empty calories were you eating there at that point? So, I, I don't know, man. I just, well, there's too much. I mean, KD, uh, something that I've been hearing is that part of him running out of Brooklyn is that, like, he was upset they didn't extend Kyrie. Which you have to obviously understand from Brooklyn's perspective why they were going to do it. Because they wanted him to take a heavily incentivized deal where at least he could get his money in the end if he lived up to it. But you know what, Jared? But But you know what, Jared? And I apologize, Wolf, for cutting you off. I just want to say one thing. The whole extension thing. Last I checked, Durant, Harden, and Kyrie were all supposed to sign together. And the only one who did was Durant. And I was shocked at the the first guy to do it was Durant, given that he was the, the... the best of the three, number one. Clearly, in my estimation, you don't do that unless you think that's going to happen. So why didn't that happen then? Because they were on, the Nets and Kyrie Irving were on good enough terms at that time where the extension talks could have happened and and gone to fruition, and they didn't. Why is that? What's going on in Brooklyn? Why is that? Are you fingers right now? Yeah, they can't see it. But What's happening? And Harden, you know, it was the same thing, and it was getting delayed and delayed. Yeah, I mean, that was definitely – look, no question. Like, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are attached at the hip when it comes to Brooklyn. And it is a little interesting, Jared, because Kevin Durant, you you would think out of the two would be the guy that would kind of call the shots more. And it, to some people around the league, it's more like Kyrie 
has the influence. And clearly you're seeing that now a little bit with the, the trade request because he's there for another year. You could kick this can down the road if he's on his best behavior and he has a good season and they win and give him the extension. But it's just not happening now. And because of that, yes, it's bothering Durant. No question about it. But at the end of the day, and the other thing, Will, because you got a team that could trade for him. Well, I can't tell. But I'm just saying, you know, like, Will, you, you got a team – with Brandon Ingram and, and picks and, and assets that could trade for Durant. But if Durant gets traded and goes to another team, whether it's the Toronto Raptors anywhere, you're stripping the team of a lot of the assets just to get him in general. You, On paper, again, basketball is played on the court, not just on paper. We don't simulate this like it's 2K. But we'll look at the roster that they have on paper. Even if Kyrie's on a one-year deal, Durant. Ben Simmons, you don't think he's got to be a little motivated after sitting out for a year? You don't think Kyrie Irving should be a little bit motivated? I think if they're fully healthy, they definitely got a chance Joe, to win the East. Like, Joe Harris? Talent. They've, they're, they've, I don't want to say playoff proven, but not really. But they, they've, they've been in the playoffs. They yeah. know what it takes to win at like, the highest level. They got KD. I mean, you walk into any series with KD, you feel like you got a chance no matter what. Where's the? I don't even want to say accountability, but where's like the, the competitive pride? Like You got a good enough team. Joe Harris coming back healthy. Seth Curry. You got TJ Warren, who was a bucket getter in the bubble. I'm like just replace Royce or Bruce Brown with Royce. Royce O'Neal. Yeah, decent move. Yeah, I think I, I like, like that Bruce move. Better, I'm not sure, but like I know that was a little bit yeah, of a hot right. topic. I mean, so, but I mean, you're looking at the Warren and the O'Neal signings. They, they're not acting like a team that's about to go into the tank. No, which obviously like they shouldn't be because they don't have their own picks. Right. Exactly. So it makes sense. So we we were originally going to ask you. What do you think of a yeah. Pelicans package? Until Scott came in with his East Coast bias <laughs> I, I and hijacked the, the conversation. <laughs> we're talking about New Orleans because these—that's the the biggest winner of free agency so far. I think you have to say because a year ago everybody was running up to me asking me, "Where is Zion going? When is Zion going to manage trade? When is it going to be over for the Pelicans?" And yesterday we saw Zion at his at his press conference signing his contract, solidifying himself. Now again, we just had to kind of go about guys can demand a trade, but. The words he's under contract, out, at least. He's yeah. under contract. The words out of his mouth where he wanted to be in New Orleans. He's committed to this team. He wants to see what they can do. And when you look at that roster, I think they can compete with a whole lot of teams in this league, just talent-wise. Of course, they're still very young and they're inexperienced. Of course, Zion's never played in the playoffs. So they still got a ways to go as far as competing for Western Conference titles. But I think when you just look at paper, what they can put out there, game one with C.J., Herb Jones, B.I., Zion Williamson, and Jonas Valanciunas, I think that's one of the most talented starting fives in the league. And I think if Zion can get back to what we saw during that COVID season, a guy averaged 27 a game, 60% from the field, putting up numbers we've never seen before from a guy his size. I think they got a lot of offensive talent on that team. And just being able to get him under contract after everything that squad went through after the Stan Van Gundy firing, the Lonzo Ball drama, yeah. after it seemed like everything was falling apart. And of course, we had that report after the COVID season about Zion and people around him not being happy with the franchise to see how far they come in one calendar year. I think you got to give a lot of credit to David Griffin. I think he kind of had his dream on green moment at the, the press conference yesterday where he was looking around and said, hey, a lot of y'all were doubting me. A lot of y'all were saying I was messing this up. And now look at what we're looking at like right now. And you can't argue with I mean, he was, but, you know, you got but there he, he it's not like he's an incompetent man. idiot. Like, he obviously is good. Yeah, so. he figured it out because he made a whole bunch of bad moves. I mean, hiring Stan Van Gundy was terrible. You know, letting Lonzo Ball go for Garrett Temple and Thomas Sadoransky, 
was really bad, <laughs> you know, but I think bouncing back, hitting on Herb Jones, Trey Murphy, Jose Alvarado, hiring Willie Green, I, I think he's just done a really good job just building that roster up and just putting them in a better position. And I think you got to just give them credit. And I think, man, just seeing that press conference and seeing the smile on Zion's face and how excited he was to be a part of the Pelicans, uh, I think is wild compared to where they were. Oh, he had a couple of hundred million reasons. Yeah. He would have got that anyway. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And he saw Piano Guy there, too. He saw his Piano Guy. Shout out to Christian there. Shout out to my guy, CC. Well, he's no longer CC. He's PG now. He's on PG's Piano Guy. Oh, that's great. So, yeah. But, I mean, yeah, it's a huge win for the Pelicans. I think they're the biggest win. All right. Well, you are the biggest winners because the show is ending. But thank you to Will Guillory, athletic Pelicans writer, Mike Scott, a national NBA writer for Hoops I Post and Hoops I Pod. I'm Jared Weiss. I will see you soon. I promise listeners we won't let Scott hijack the pod. It's the last time. Start her up, champ. Yeah. Let her rip. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.